I think you should challenge any idea, not for the sake of you disagreeing with it, but for the sole purpose of challenging an idea. That is the only way successful growth, conversation, and innovation will ever develop. All right, welcome back. We are here with episode six of the Certain Uncertainty podcast. This week, we're going to try a new format where we kick it off with a series of questions that we're trying to get to the bottom of and really talk through these ideas and different aspects of who we are and understand what they mean to us. How's it going, John? We're doing well. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of just jump into these questions here. Um, The topic today that we're going to discuss is loosely related to how we navigate through our public lives, our social lives, and the masks we choose to wear and how that might influence what we say and what we do at really any level. And so I'm just going to guide you through a series of questions that will be the basic structure for this episode. But essentially, the first question we want to ask today is, well, what are the masks we wear and how does it influence our public dialogue? Why put on a mask in the first place? What are social masks versus private masks? How does authority replace the masks we choose to wear? And with that replacement of masks, we have to ask the question, well, do we really have some form of free speech? And does free speech scale when we have a lot of these authority and institutional elements controlling and influencing the way that we are going to navigate through our public and and social and private lives? So that's kind of the the premise here that we're going to speak on. And and so let's just jump into it, right? Uh, let's Let's just tack on the first one here, which is, well... What masks, what are the masks that we wear and how does it influence our public dialogue? I mean, let's just start there, right? I mean, I think at any level, let's just kind of build the premise for what masks exist in, in this realm. Like, what, what are these things, you know? like To me, when I think about the masks that people wear, and I guess firstly, we should clarify that these are not real masks, obviously, that that are so common that we have to wear right now, but in the sense of how we develop a personality and personification of your personality in the societies and groups and communities that we fit in when we're trying to create relationships with people and express our internal characteristics in a way that we present them to other people. And when I think about the masks that people wear and why this is a topic we we talk about in the first place is because we have the ability to essentially guide your growth in a community based off of how you speak to people and what you wear and how you develop your appearance and what the ideas are that you bring to conversations. And I think while this is such a basic form of human nature and interaction and developing relationships, the most interesting aspect of it comes down to how an individual mind or person consciously addresses its own perception of how you want to be perceived versus recognizing how you know you really are. And I think that's where we can get into the the little nuances here of understanding that each individual knows that they are some way. I know the way I am and you know, and everyone, everyone knows who they are, but they make the conscious choices whether or not they fully want to express who they are and how they do that and which parts of them they look to suppress or at least hide under a mask or a guise of somebody else. Right, right. And let me just kind of spin off on this and and really help elucidate what we're targeting. So at a basic level, I would say that we have some internal information. We call it thoughts, 
uh, we call it our internal dialogue, whatever you want to call it. There is some substrate of thought that exists in our minds. But then the question is, how does that reflect what is then communicated externally to other people, right? If we have some set of information in our brains, we'll call it information set A, and then we'll call the other information set that is externally communicated B, right? How does A relate to B? How does A change to B? Is there a filtering process? And I think this is where we're really talking about masks and how each one of these masks apply a different filter from A to B. And sometimes they are more censorship based. I think in, in today's society, we're finding a lot of these masks are relative to censorship, what we can and what we can't say. And there's also the mask on the exact opposite side, though. There are masks that incentivize things that shouldn't be said, calls to violence, actions to tear down establishments that really, you know, don't serve any intrinsic value to the individuals that wear these masks in, in, their, in themselves. And so, you know, let's, let's start just jumping into it. What are the masks that we see people wearing? And, and why is this even important? I think when when I look at especially the environment that we come out of of undergraduate education and being in school for 20 plus years, it's so tumultuous in how you want to define your personality and who you are. And it's been really interesting for me to see people that I knew pretty well going growing up through, you know, my teen years into undergrad through high school. And then after these pretty rigid frameworks are removed where all of us are really kind of tightly packed through this guided funnel of the community, going through education, going through relationship building. And then once you're thrown out into the, the free world and you no longer have educational boundaries and these kinds of, I don't know, communities that hold a set of values pretty tightly, or at least a set of rules pretty tightly, you really start to see people expand and kind of spin off the carousel into where where they really see themselves fit. And this can be in the expression of tattoos, careers, clothing, communities, what ideas and and goals and protests that they get themselves infatuated with and really want to chase after and problems in the world that they really want to tackle and who they start building this personality behind. And it makes me wonder what what was concealed or what was held back for so many years in those those confinements or at least those communities that then open the floodgates for them to spur out into this new personality and really want to embrace this new culture this new family of of people who who've had similar experiences or who have similar thoughts that they all collectively express these feelings in the same way like we can look around and see all these communities you have musicians you have artists and it's very common to look at musicians and artists and say you know they they have this freedom of flowing and they don't dress the same as people who work in office environments and they have eccentric tattoos and haircuts and all these all these ways of expressing themselves imagine if you were to flip the roles right the roles we've we've established in society and you have executives and bankers and and doctors who just had sleeves of tattoos and like colored hair and like these these things that we we look at is not normal, but on on the surface, there's there's nothing bad. There's nothing wrong. There's no real differences. Those are equally intelligent people who've just dove into a completely different set of skills and career. And it's really interesting to see how we choose to embrace these masks that identify us with the things that we care about. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to put a bin term on this. I'm, I've been searching in, in through your speech here, just. 
what is the commonality between the various ways people act and behave and create and whatever? What is this, this mask, this filtering process that guides them? And I'm, I'm going to call it a, a creation mask, right? The mask that helps you create, that helps you innovate, that helps you take charge, that helps you take empowerment, that helps you become more disciplined towards your desires or whatnot, right? But the question is, if there is a creation mask in it, and, and maybe at some level it has to be taught through self-discovery or through institutional approaches, but I think at the same level, if there's an institutional approach here, that they could actually create their own mask of creation and brand it like that and say, hey, wear this mask and you're going to actually reach all of your career objectives or personal objectives when you wear this mask. But in that process, there is a person creating a mask of intention to really kind of help hone and filter a specific set of ideologies with that mask. Now, the question is, what is that mask filtering out? What is it censoring out? And is this a problem? And, and, I, and I mean, at a general level, I would just say like, well, look at, look at institutions and look at all the different various branches in there. I'm sure each branch within an institution whether it be educational, whether it be a job or whatever, you know, you have different cultural elements which refine your masks in that culture and, and that field or whatever. But at, at some level, I would say there's some kind of popularized control of the masks themselves, giving us masks to wear when we don't know which mask we want to wear in the first place. And so it's like, okay, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know really what thoughts I should be communicating to the outside world. So at, at base level zero, you have some level of timidness some shyness because you're not really sure of what should actually be said, what opinions that you hold are actually valid. And so do you think there's some kind of, I guess, filtering out of very valid opinions these days? Probably, probably. And when I think about it, going off of what you just said, there's a, a level of conscious masks that we choose to wear and unconscious masks that we have to wear. And I think that comes to the forefront of my mind when I think about like comedians who, who are on the surface, the funniest people we know, but that's a conscious, is side, that a conscious mask? Though? I think that's an unconscious mask because I think people who are expressively funny and comical are actually masking often pain and trauma, which is why a lot of comedians have, have a history or a childhood or, or a past of, of, you know, different traumatic, traumatic events. And they mask that with comedy, making those around them laugh and feel happy or, or express feelings of joy, whether that's masking it to themselves or providing a situation to be to be happy so they don't feel the similar pain. I think those are those are unconscious masks. And then when I think about the the conscious masks masks that we wear, I feel like those are more of the ones that that you were describing where we have a choice whether or not we want to express different levels of our personality to different people and then what our goal is coming out of that. And I think that's why something I think you touched on earlier, you know, the quote, people have different accents for different groups where we, we talk to different communities in different ways and not just different communities, but different friend friendships, like different friend groups, people express different parts of themselves in those friend groups in order to blend or seem more included or. Yeah. Right. You're going to have some dude who's going to put on a British accent for some friends so that he feels like that foreign 
exclusivity. It's like, oh, you're a foreigner. Wow. Well, hey, I don't even think it's you know? to, the, to, the, to the real extent of an actual accent, but I think people will speak a certain way at a certain level of casualness or a certain level of formality or, or so also the express intellect. The tonal inclinations as well. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Whether you're talking to your friends, obviously you're more casual, you're more comfortable, you're not trying as hard. But I think people act different ways around different types of friends mm-hmm. or in different communities because whether or not they're trying to subconsciously be accepted at a greater level or consciously want to gain something from being a part of this community, people have different different playing cards that they like to pull out for the different situations that they're in, both consciously and subconsciously. Mm-hmm. So let's take a step back here, actually. I think I think we really need to figure out why these masks are even important to us as we are a community species. And I'm just going to jump in on it. Um, I think at a general level, we can make the assumption that it is to hide or to at least block out a lot of the vulnerabilities and insecurities we face through our natural waking lives. And as we are social creatures, this is especially important because the ideas of isolation and loneliness are really, really big incentives to avoid, right? You don't want to feel lonely. You don't want to feel isolated. And so we wear masks so that we ensure that what we end up communicating is really the most popularized, the most colloquially accepted terminology to describe some event but at the same time, though, what this does is it removes some level of innovative ideation, I think. It, it, it basically removes the ability to really spread out as a species and where we think and to come out with new novel ideas that can start new echo chambers of belief, of, of innovation, of technology, of community organization. And I think this is where it gets really tough. It's like, okay, there's a, there's a balance, there's an optimization balance. So you don't want to say too much because you don't want to be socially outcasted, right? And, and if you do, if you don't really care, and that's great, right? But for most individuals, you know, you don't want to necessarily just come out and say all the all the dirty deeds because you're going to be socially outcasted regardless of the intrinsic value of the dirty deed statements. And so what do we do here? I mean, like, how do we how do we optimize this just from like if I was to give a computer a protocol to say, okay, here's when to put on a mask and here's when to take it off. Right. When when do we do that? Right. When does that computer know okay, here's where it's relevant. Here's where you close up because the people around you are not going to accept you and you're going to feel isolated and it's going to put you down this rabbit hole of misery and yada, yada, yada. Right. So. Yeah. I think that's a great, that's a really great point. And I, I really want to consider how innovation plays a role in the masks that we wear from, from both the conscious, subconscious and authority figure directions. Because when when we think of innovation, that only comes from people challenging the status quo, right? You, you must challenge the status quo in order to innovate on anything, anything that exists. And in order to do that, you need to have this mask or call it a level of your personality that is more disagreeable. And disagreeable people are not as common because human nature as chameleons, as people who want to fit in communities and be accepted, don't naturally want to be disagreeable. Although disagreeableness is a personality trait in people that tend to be more successful. And I think having that disagreeableness aspect of your personality that you can portray in a productive way allows you to innovate on products and ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think this this disagreeable notion in general, there's a lot of people who have spoken on this, notably uh, um, public intellectual JP, always Jordan Peterson always talks about really the roles of male versus women dominated fields and how levels of disagreeableness relative to the genders have some level of success associated with them. And and I think this gets us into kind of a different realm of picking apart individualized masks. And, you know, it's it's going to be dependent and idiosyncratic for each individual as, as relative to how much disagreeableness they have pre-built into them instinctually or whatnot. But I guess the, the where I'm trying to jump into is how do we scale the idea of wearing masks, right? We know that masks are, are at least at some level healthy for a socialized species such as humans and that to facilitate cooperation, we can't, we, we, we know we're going to disagree at any level, right? Some level we're going to disagree at and we're not going to be the same individuals. That's what makes us human is that we are different as, as any level. We are really unequal in both our thought process, our genetic makeup and, and blah, 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 right? And, and so when you're looking at when to actually obscure some portions of who you are and the really crucial aspects of that person. When is it like, could we make a general statement as to when we put on masks, like maybe at work, right? We, we say, okay, you're in your work. You, you don't talk about these things. Right. And is that healthy, right? Is it healthy not to talk about specific things at work? Is it healthy not to discuss politics? For example, is it healthy not to discuss, you know, bad things that are happening in your life because that might put other people in bad moods, right? And that whole empathy argument maybe maybe has some some say in it. And I, I'm really just looking for a way in which we can say, yeah, it's okay to not communicate who you are at all times. It's okay to tell white lies to others in a sense, because that's what we're doing when we're, when we're wearing these masks, we're, I mean, depending on the degree of how much filtering that mask causes to our internal dialogue, but we're telling white lies, right? We're not, we're not specifically lying. We're just not telling you all that there is because we're trying to avoid some level of disagreement that that might cause in a conflict of conversation and allowing us to, you know, somewhat mutually be accepted by one another so we can harmonize in our own thought processes. But on a short-term level, I can I can see a case for that being good. But on a long-term level, how do altercations and disagreements actually fuel a relationship, right? So I think at least in the professional context of it, it it comes down to whether or not those perspectives and ideas are necessary for your goal and a cohesiveness of a team in, in achieving your end goal. No one cares at work what your, what your political considerations are, who you support, why or when, but it's become more and more common for a handful of reasons. But in, in a work environment, there have been you know, organizations and companies that have chosen to actively say, we are not going to talk about any of these things and we're just going to focus on what we do. It's not productive and we're having tension in between team members. And those organizations have, have seen a lot of backlash and problems because I think at some level, people do care to talk about these things. Whereas at another level, people don't want to have to deal with that in their work environment. It's all on a personal level. And it is challenging when you, when we approach those, those scenarios and you talk about the, the white lies or maybe not a lie, but not expressing the full truth. Is it productive for your goal there to express your full opinion about something with someone 
who you just need to accomplish a task with, mm. right? And it, it, more often than not, I feel like it likely isn't. No one cares what your opinion is about an electric vehicle versus internal combustion engine. We're here to we're here to write a book, right? We're here to produce a product, a tech product, whatever it is. Mm. So, so check this out. Maybe, maybe it's that people are so distracted just by anything in this world that they're forgetting how to put on masks, how to stop talking about politics. I feel like politics has invaded so many different social circles right now, and it's separated a lot of individuals. And, and maybe it's that people have at some level forgotten the masks that they used to filter and that and it, also, it also could be the, the political affairs going on right now are extremely radical or extremely not radical. I mean, I'm not going to make an opinion about this statement, but what I'm, what I'm trying to figure out is why now? Why, why is it that we see so many people dropping their political masks in, in the public circle? Why is it that many organizations are embracing some political atmosphere with them? And why is that influencing at any level how a private industry should function or operate? How does that how does that aid or you know value of anything really? I think the answer to that question will be a full history class taught in a hundred years, analyzing our environment right now and trying to get to the bottom of of where the locus of power sits for institutions and companies to work together or or work against each other in the support of politics and the the spread of power, all of these different players and factors that are that are happening right now is so complicated. It's probably one of the most complicated multifaceted things that exists right now. And there's so many little little satellites that are flying around that burning sun of a topic. And every now and then one of those satellites can can spark and highlight and that becomes the primary topic and everyone chooses to have an opinion about that little satellite which will more likely than not end up just crashing into the sun anyways. But for that instantaneous moment, everyone has uh, an A or B or C opinion on that little satellite topic. And for, for a period of tumultuous interactions and conversations, people have to choose whether or not they want to put on a mask, a, a metaphorical mask, a an opinion, express it or not in regards to whether or not they need to accomplish their set of goals. And everyone has opinions. I don't mean that in like a, a comical way. Like it is funny that everybody has opinions, but everyone does have opinions and everyone chooses when and where and how to express those and who to communicate those with and whether or not their views will be accepted or not. And I think, I don't know, the, the general population as a whole has done a really good job of dividing, like dividing ideas, putting hard lines that don't have a lot of crossover and in, in thought. And I think, but do you think it's one-sided? Do you think that lines are created to, you know, I, I create a line so that I, I mean, it's I think not the 50, fact 50, like you're not, it's, it's like 90, 10 or something like that, where we're going to allow a, an ideology of a specific sect to mostly uh, as a, as a vast majority encompass the public dialogue, but in and of itself, that doesn't allow for a continuation of dialogue on better ways to do these things, right? We're, we're seeing hyperpolarization and hyperdivision, as you're saying, a lot of, a lot of our society has just divided each other. And it, it's, it just seems quite clear that 
this is not really a good solution in terms of how we're making these lines as to what what ideologies we're allowing to sustain. And that's the whole slippery slope argument. Why is it that some political ideologies are allowed to exist at any level in, a, in an institution? Maybe it's a private organization or a company. Why is it that some set of them are allowed to exist and then the other set are, are absolutely outcasted and forlorn because they're just so radical and crazy and they're not humani- humanitarian focused or whatever, right? And do you think it's a time scale problem? Do you think people are just looking at different short terms or, or is, it, is it to basically ensure that power exist in a specific fashion? Do you think it's an authoritarian complex as in the premise or the the presence of authority has become so great and crammed down our throats through social media platforms and just any any general uh, online medium communication form? Do you think that they're, they're pushing such a high volume of these types of masks that people literally just like, okay, I guess I have to have to grab it and pick it up and put it on. Right. And just because there's so much volume and there's just so much masks trash everywhere that's been just thrown in your face. And, and this is what I was trying to get on with the distraction. Like if you're distracted about what mask to wear, right. And then I just keep handing you another mask over and over and over and over and over again. Eventually, you're going to pick it up because you're distracted about your other mask. And you're like, okay, okay, I, I, you made your point. I'm going to just pick up this one because I don't know what other mask to put on for now. Do you think that's kind of like what we're living through? I mean, I think so. I think so. And I think the way I try and think about it, at least in the 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 scope of where this locus of power exists, I try and think of it, or at least compare it to: is it is it the accumulation, the culmination of all of the specific individuals that make up that? sphere of influence and thought right now or is it an entity that is so large with such a strong momentum that you could replace every single individual in that entity and the outcome would likely not change and i think about that in large scales like full political parties that is the full political party in their perceptions right now and ideas a culmination of the individuals in it Or if you were to replace all those individuals, would it be different or the same? And then on a more micro scale, I think about that for individual leaders. So individual people who who rule countries, if you were to replace that single individual, would the outcome change? And at different levels, I think it, it certainly could. So when we look at huge organizations like like companies or or countries, if you change the CEO or the full executive team, will the company continue on a successful path or will it fail? Is there enough momentum there that exists that it doesn't matter where, who, who or where these masks are being handed to you from, they will be the same outcome. And I think with, with the distractions that you were mentioning earlier, are we so distracted by the flashing lights on the corners that we aren't really paying attention to these masks that are getting just handed over. And this is how you're supposed to speak. This is how you're supposed to live. These are the ideas you should have. Don't challenge them. And we have no opinions for like anything specific. That's not the goal here. The goal is to observe the principle of challenging ideas for the sake of growth and innovation. I think you should challenge any idea, not for the sake of you disagreeing with it, but for the sole purpose of challenging an idea. 
That is the only way successful growth conversation and innovation will ever develop is if a group of people or an individual challenges any aspect of an idea and just says why or how or what about this or what's the contrapositive. And that is how we develop communication and, and I think unveil what the masks are that we accept amongst one another. If I have, you know, a bunch of tattoos and, you know, if I have this perspective or persona that I approach, I don't have any tattoos, but say I had a whole bunch of them, there would without a doubt be a series of judgments people would have about me, right? People have preconceived notions based off the masks that they've experienced in the past and what they're used to. And then they associate these differences in time and how you were talking about how we scale our masks and how they persist through time to have a sustained perception. But now there are things changing and a greater population of people have new styles and new ways of expressing themselves. And maybe that's, maybe that's the rigidness of past cultures that are slowly fading away. Just like we had the rigidness of an education system. And then once you see people coming out of that, they can, they can flower, they can grow into who they would like to, to, to express themselves as to fit into a community that they have relationship with. Mm -hmm. And really there's one central dichotomy that I want to present from what you just said. And that the people that want to fit into their surrounding community, that's great. That's great. But that doesn't necessarily mean you need to put on the hive mind mask to do that. And I think there, there's that dichotomy there. There is the hive mind mask, and then there's the individual's mask. And I think some people have forgotten that people can actually understand their own risk when saying whatever the hell they want to say, right? And, and it might affect you in a specific way. It might have a big problem with you. That's okay because you could also have a conversation and figure out where we can mitigate the risk and of the conflict itself. And I think the problem is that it's tough to figure out a common moral good as to what are the things that we should say as a society. And, and it's an extremely slippery slope to even put in any restrictions on what mask that we choose to wear. Because, well, then in the process you might actually bias it based on the current events of time and political environment that's going on right now. If you restrict things relative to the contextual cues of today, well, how is the contextual cues of today going to morph into the contextual cues of the future? And then when, what happens if we put ourselves into a future point where we're not allowed to have a public dialogue about a very necessary feature of the future because we've restricted ourselves based on the context cues of the present? And, and so like, that's the whole thing. And this is like why I'm, I, I think the, the really important role of wearing masks, people wear it. I'm going to wear a mask right when I'm talking on this podcast, I put on a mask, I put on a podcast mask, right? And, and in some ways that I can conceive of and other ways that are unconscious, I'm going to be aware of how I'm filtering my own thoughts in this, in this podcast itself, right? But the process of choosing what mask, what, what things that I am going to filter out that is something of the individual, and I think this is something that allows an organic process of building based on the, the context of the now, which will constantly change as we go to the future. It's extremely important to understand what those elements are that allow you to restrict things or to, to empower things and so forth. I think 
what I, what I want to think about, or at least what it brings to my mind is the ability to wear whatever mask you want is so rare and such an incredible privilege that we have is truly the freedom to think. And that, honestly, that in itself kind of blows my mind. And it's such a simple task. Of course, you can choose to be who you want. You can choose to express yourself however you want. But do you, I think, do you really understand how rare that is to be able to express yourself is, is your freedom to think and your ability to think and to innovate yourself, to literally innovate your own ideas and then express them and manifest them in the way you interact with the rest of the world. And I want to drop a question and see, see where we can go with it. But how do we decide whether or not you know when you meet someone or, or approach a conversation or a situation, what's real with, with other people's masks as you decide what you want your own to be. And then you go out into communities and society and you see that you see the masks that people wear, right? There's, there's organizations like, like bankers or like tech bros, right? They have a very predictable mask like the way they dress and the way they communicate and what they like to do. It is a niche community. But what if like a, a reactor products come in and they are catalyzed based off the masks that people wear as an entity and then they come out? What if no one in that group actually likes any of those masks, but those are the masks that exist as an entity in that group? So as you join the tech community, you're like, why does everyone here wear Allbirds? None of us actually like them. I'm not saying that like they're front, they're nice shoes, but that was just an example. <laughs> right. Like as an example, why do we all wear purple flannels? No one actually likes these. Well, we're in tech. We wear purple flannels. But why? Does anyone actually like wearing these? Well, that's that's just the mask. That's the that's what we wear in tech. Right? How do you know what's real? What do, what do people actually like versus when are they actually just trying to assimilate or or enter an organization? I'm going to, I'm going to reframe this. And I think the question might be, how do we deal with us not being the same person? How do we deal with just fundamental differences between how we will behave and interact and react to the, the social environment or the actual natural environment? And I think the real, the real thing here is that we've started to destroy our or at least for America, we've started to destroy the moral framework for which most people create their own individual masks. And without that common sense associated with morality, you know, it's so hard to know what mask that you should even put on or what mask other people are going to be put on. Because I don't know if I'm talking to an individual or a hive. I don't know if I'm going to be talking to an actual human being with thoughts that they've come up with on their own. And it doesn't have to be novel thoughts. It's extremely hard to come up with a really unique original thought. That's not what I'm asking for. What I'm asking for is think things through for yourself and then decide. And I don't think people are thinking things through for themselves, but not having that internal guided freedom more so. And so it starts even, even further. Like in, in the very beginning of this podcast, I mentioned we have this information A, which is the internal thoughts, and you have information B, which is that which is communicated. But there might actually be an information 
below A, right? Maybe there's some some level of influential mechanism that basically covers information A. And it's not even your information A in the very first place. It's just some proxy. It's some some mask of who you are of in and itself. And that's a that's a little wormhole of a thought there. And 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 so of that, when you're communicating, when you're pushing A to B here, you're actually pushing a proxy of yourself, an A to a B. But I can talk to hundreds, thousands of different individuals and they could say the exact same thing. That's a big problem. And that's why I think we're, we're, we're getting to these points where we have no idea what the hell to say. Because I don't know if I'm talking to an individual or a collective. Right. And that's a really big problem. That's a that's a fantastic ending idea that I think we can wrap up this episode and and move forward with on how how you approach the communities in which you are involved with and really who are you to other people? We've discussed in previous episodes, who are you to yourself and how do you know that and decipher that? But now thinking about it from the outside, who are you to everyone else? Thanks everyone. Thank you for listening. Bye. If you made it this far into the podcast and want to hear more content, please consider following us on Spotify, iTunes, or YouTube and sharing today's podcast link with your close friends. We hope this podcast incites you to start some interesting conversations and expand on some of the ideas we've discussed. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Certain Uncertainty Podcast, a podcast aimed at unveiling the certainly uncertain relationships between some of the most complex systems known to man. 